Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame, or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi friends, I am so grateful you're here with us today for the Fully Restored Podcast. Before we jump into my interview with today's guest, I wanted to let you know that today's topic of discussion is a difficult one and a topic that is best listened to away from children's ears. These interviews in this series are powerful, transparent, and real but also give so much hope for someone who's been abused. Please be mindful of your own triggers and know we are discussing these things to bring them to the light of Jesus and to help women find their own healing and hope. Thanks friends, and now to my interview. Hi everyone, this is Kristen Klaus and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have my guest, Nikki Godsell, joining me. Nikki and I are both contributing authors to the She Writes for Him Stories of Resilient Faith book, and I am so excited to have her on my show today. Nikki is someone I want on my side. She's a doer for others. She's used her past experiences to propel her to minister and help others. She is God's absolute treasure and gift to our world. And I know she will bless you as she has blessed me. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Well, thank you. That was the best introduction. (laughs) So sweet. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I want to start with some fun facts about you. You're a homesteader, homeschooler, football fanatic, and you love teaching others how to hear from God. Yes. That about sums me up. (laughs) (laughs) It's you to a T, huh? Yes. I married my college sweetheart. We met at um, actually at Liberty University. He was the captain of the football team. And that really started my love for football because it was what really brought me to him. So I I owe a lot to the game of football. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So Nikki, let's just dive in because we don't have a lot of time and you have a big story. So tell us first a little bit about yourself, the work you do and your family. Well, first and foremost, I'm a wife. I'm a mama to four little, all age ranging from 10 to three. I have three girls and my youngest is a little boy. Uh, We have about 10 acres in the middle of nowhere. I call it the sticks. And we are, we are homesteaders. We feel called by the Lord to be more self-sustained and especially in the year that we're in with 2020 and, and all that's going on. The Lord has really pushed forward that goal for my husband and I. So we are the crazy people with chickens and a lot of kids. And, uh, <laughs> so that is a part of our life. The other part of my life that's brand new is homeschooling. I have never homeschooled before. And if you would have told me even six months ago, that was something I was going to do. I probably would have laughed, but, uh, this is where the Lord has me in this season. And although I'm a little bit, it's new. So I'm a little bit anxious about it. The Lord has called me to it. So I know he'll walk with me through it. You know, 
Absolutely. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Absolutely. Yes, there's a lot of, it seems like a lot of younger families are doing the homesteading thing and being self-sufficient. That is amazing. Four kids, I applaud you. Homeschooling, I'm praying for you. All <laughs> Thank those you. things. I need yes. it all. <laughs> yes. So Nikki, would you take us back to your childhood, to the place where trauma, the trauma and abuse started for you? Sure. So I don't recognize the exact age. I remember it was fall. I know I was beginning high school. I think I was around 13, almost 14. The timing is still a little blurry for me, but I've always remembered the traumatic moment. So for me, when I was 13 years old, we had just moved from my hometown of Virginia to Pennsylvania. I had been there for not not even a year. I had started middle school. And you know, that kind of transition in such a formidable year of your life is already difficult. You're trying to find out who your friends are and fit in with those people and learn a new environment. I was really latching on to anyone that I could that would accept me and love me. So in that pursuit of finding, you know, my friends in that in that time period, I actually found a boyfriend. I found a couple of girls that accepted me for who I was, I felt like. And the reality was they weren't a very good influence on me. So as I walked down that road, I remember very vividly one night being at a party and that was the night that I was raped by one of my boyfriend's friends. And it was such a traumatic moment that my way of dealing with it was to avoid it, pretend like it didn't happen. Now, I didn't do that in the very beginning. Right after it happened, I was actually one of the very few that told someone immediately after. And Honestly, I think that was very difficult in and of itself because I wasn't believed. I was silenced in it and I was betrayed by those few friends that I had made when I told them what had happened. They didn't believe me. They chose to believe the older, more popular kid uh, in saying that, that it didn't happen. So on top of that wound, I had wounds of rejection. I had wounds of betrayal. I had wounds of, and in that wound, there was just shame just spread throughout it. So that's when I really began to internalize what had happened to me. I skipped school. My grades went down. I wasn't involved in sports like I used to be. And every single day that I was going to school, I was seeing my perpetrator. I was having to walk side by side in hallways at certain points of the day. So I felt like I was my only advocate. And the only way I knew as a rising high schooler to deal with that was to pretend like it didn't happen and to keep people at arm's length. So it was a really difficult time period because in my own little mind, I couldn't really handle that and survive my day-to-day life. I threw myself into rebellion. I began to try and perform in order to achieve personal likeness. Like I wanted people to value me and I wanted to feel worthy. And the only way I knew how to do that was to perform, was to be the best that I could in the certain things that I had to gain accolade from from different sports, different things throughout my teenage years. But I also 
I drank heavy for false comfort. I, I tried to impress my dad if he thought I was doing well. Then that said that major void in my heart where if I would have gone directly to Jesus, those things wouldn't have occurred. So I would say that 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 moment in time, that traumatic moment when I was 13, 14 years old, when I was raped, a lot entered at that point in my life that changed me, that forged me into somebody that God did not intend for me to be. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that of what you experienced and the thoughts of what you did of rebellion, the thoughts of what you were going through, the rejection, the betrayal, and the shame of what you experienced. And, you know, also thinking about what you said about how you tried to tell and you were not believed. And that that is so common, sadly, that is so common when a teenager or a child tries to tell about what happened to them. Well, actually, even an adult, when they say of what happened to them. And actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking of my own story. And there's a lot of similarity, some different things. But I know what that is to go into full rebellion. Yeah. To lose a lack of interest in the in the things that you were involved in and really feeling like your life kind of took a sideways that you went down a different path than what was intended for you. And then finding, trying to find, you know, the perform to get your value and worth. Mm-hmm. How many of us who have experienced abuse are we doing that? Like on one side, we're rebelling because we don't want to deal with the thoughts and the memories. So let's find unhealthy ways to cope. And one of those is performance, is trying to find our value in what we do. And that takes on many forms for individuals. And then you're talking about the alcohol, drinking heavily, and that is very, very common. So I have a question for you. As part of our Redemption from Abuse series here on the Fully Restored podcast, Nikki, what is your Fully Restored story? So we've talked about what you experienced, but how did you come to be Fully Restored? Oh, man. You know, I I would like to say fully healed from this wound because to be fully restored to me feels like what I'm going to feel like when I see Jesus Mm. face to face. But when I think about how he fully healed me from this, he really strategically created a program, created a way for me to walk a path towards him that was only for me. And I believe he has that for every single person. There isn't an AA program for people who have gone through trauma. There isn't a step-by-step process that is for a group of people. He gave me an individualized plan that hit the nerve that focused solely on what I needed, Nikki needed. And it was a layered process. For over 20 years, I rejected him. I rebelled against him. I believed a lie from the pit of hell for over 20 years that God abandoned me in that moment and that I was my best advocate. And he even used scripture to distort that truth. The enemy was very crafty. I didn't even recognize that the rebellion I was in was a part of that traumatic event. I just believed that this was my life. This was who I was. This was my lot. And this was something I had to deal with. It was my personality and that's all there was to it. And that's such a lie. I remember specifically when the Lord really started knocking on my door 
I resisted him and I said, no, thank you. I don't want any part of you. I will be a part of your church. I will be a part of the people because again, performance based, I found community with people there, but I wasn't willing to give him my whole heart because I kept him at arm's length. That's what I learned to do in my rebellious state. I learned that if I kept my walls up just enough, I'd be close enough to him and people where I wouldn't get hurt, where I would be able to be in relationship, but never close enough to really, really be harmed again. But the wall that I built up for over 20 years was actually the wall that kept me from my healing. And so I remember sitting in my driveway with my husband <laughs> after church. We're about to go into my grandmother's house. And uh, he looked at me after we had gotten into a horrendous argument. And he said, Nikki, you're miserable. And I said, no, I'm not. You are. He was crying. And I couldn't even bring myself to cry. And we shut the doors to the car. We walked into my grandmother's house and we pretended like everything was fine. Our marriage was fine. My children didn't just see us get into a horrible argument. And it was after that day that I realized, ooh, how long am I going to be able to keep up this facade? How long am I going to be able to keep up the pretense that everything is fine externally when internally I'm in a lot of pain? I thought I could heal that on my own. Mm -hmm. For 20 years, I tried. And finally, about a week later, God brought me to my knees in the middle of a sermon. And instead of white knuckling the back of a pew, I walked forward and fully surrendered and said, okay, if you can do better than me, Lord, here's all my garbage. Here's my heart and even the wounded pieces too. And that really began a full restoration in me. That scripture that the enemy used against me was the story of the woman who was about to be stoned to death when she was drug out, the adulterous woman. You know which one I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. The one where she was pulled out in the street, caught in the middle of adultery, and every man picked up a stone and was about to brutally kill her. And Jesus was there and he knelt down in the sand and he began to just scribble. And he looked up at those men as they were about to cast their stone. And he said, let the first one of you who have not sinned cast the first stone. And then he, he knelt back down and started to scribble in the sand. And in my mind, the enemy told me, if Jesus could do that for her, why couldn't he do that for you? Where was he? in the middle of your trauma, he abandoned you. And when I brought that up to my counselor, I will never forget, if I learned nothing else in my counseling, my year-long crisis counseling, it was this one moment that broke me free of that, that wound of abandonment by unveiling a lie that the enemy told me. My counselor looked at me and he said, Nikki, he never abandoned you. Jesus never commanded those men to not cast the stone. He gave them a choice. Mm. Free will is given to us all. I have no idea what the Lord was asking my perpetrator not to do, what he was begging him not to do in that moment. But my perpetrator had free will to choose to either obey or yeah. to disobey. But what I remember the most from that session was as I'm weeping, recognizing that he was fighting for me in that moment, what I remember is that God was with me, not only experiencing every bit of the pain that I was experiencing in that moment, but he was weeping along with me and he saved me. In that moment, I remembered, I prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, where were you in that moment? 
I need you to reveal to me that you were with me. And I saw a vision in my head as I prayed, and the Holy Spirit gave this to me. As I was looking out the tent, I saw a bonfire. In the flickering lights of that fire, I escaped to, I went to, in the middle of my trauma, when it was painful. And the Lord told me in that moment, he said, I was in that comfort. I was right there with you. I used to have triggers. Whenever I'd be around a bonfire, I would I would get physically ill for over 20 years. And it was in this moment with my counselor that I broke free of that trigger. I can say just a piece of my story with that. Now I'm able to sit around the bonfire with my children and with my husband and roast marshmallows. And it's no longer a trigger for me. It's now a, a place where I can enjoy and be present with my children and make memories because I see the Lord in those bonfires now. Yes. What, what an example of a picture, I should say, of how God fully restores us, that you're able to sit at a bonfire. And to one person, a bonfire is not a big deal. But for somebody who's experienced abuse, there are specific things that trigger us. There are things that are connected to the abuse that happened to us. And so what a beautiful picture of how God brought you to the other side and how he walked with you and showed you through various people in your life and in your counselor and the Holy Spirit speaking to you about that you were loved yeah, and that it wasn't God's plan and that man does have a choice. And that is such mankind, I should say. Mankind has a choice in what we do. And that's a, that's a very difficult thing for us to grapple with when we see those are the deep philosophical questions that people are always asking. But that's the truth that God was there with us. But when we're hurt, I'm thinking about we just moved to Paris, Kentucky, and all around us are horse farms. And they have these stone fences. And some of them are 30, 40 years, and some of them are over 100 years. In those stone walls, there were some that were very old, and then there were some that weren't so old. And those walls, though, represent what we do. You know, we put a stone up, oh, this hurt me, oh, this hurt me, and we create this wall between us and God when mankind hurts us. And and it's not God who hurt us, it's mankind who makes decisions. So it's not God who is not loving us. God is loving us, but God gives us free will and we can't have freedom without all of it. And that's hard for us to grapple and hard for us to understand. But I love the illustration that your counselor walked with you through that Jesus was there. He was there when you were being abused. Jesus was there. It wasn't something that brought joy to him. It broke his heart. He was weeping and crying and interceding for you as he did for me, as he does for others. To have that transformation in our thinking that we get angry at God. In fact, in my book, I talk about this and I had a debate with my editor because one of the things I talked about is forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves and forgiveness of God and forgiveness of the perpetrator. Yes. And the forgiveness of God, she's like, how do you forgive a God who's not to blame? And it goes to our concept of God. It goes to our understanding. And we put that blame on God 
of what happened to us because we have to blame somebody. We have to blame somebody. We're hurting, we're wounded. And part of the process of healing, some people say, I didn't blame God. But I've had others that have said, I am mad at God. Why did he allow this? And I've just said to them, if you stick with me, if you walk through this healing process with me, we're gonna get to that part. But there's layers upon layers before we can get to that. And that's what your counselor was walking you through, the layers of healing that you needed. And then when the moment was right, that was when you guys had that discussion about the scripture. And honestly, I think we get confused sometimes between healing and miracles. Healing takes a a maintenance of faith and perseverance, but miracles are instantaneous. God can miraculously heal somebody in a moment, but how would that bring him glory like it would if it did take time? And honestly, Kristen, if God were to miraculously heal me in a moment, I don't think my heart could have handled it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the time that he gave me to process the little layers at a time mm-hmm. was a part of his gentleness. I mean, when people say that healing is a, is a secondary trauma, I never fully understood that until I went through it myself. You know, like... It really is. It takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of energy and effort. One of the lies the enemy used to tell me was, why would you drudge up that stuff from your past? What is the point of that? You know, your life is good. You've accumulated so much. You have the the husband you desired. You have the healthy children. You have the career. Why would you drudge that up? And I think that was such a lie that really kept me from moving fully into relationship with the Lord. That was one of the lies the enemy really rooted in me to keep that wall up, to keep those bricks of anger and inferiority and pride and just so many different things up. Because if he's able to keep that wall up filled with the lies that he was giving me, then I'd never be able to fully be healed. So that secondary healing, that process, it is painful and it does hurt, but there's purpose behind every single step. And God knows every single layer for each person that needs to be walked out. And through that process, if we're willing to obey him and hear his voice through it, not only will we be freer on the other side, but our true identity in him is going to unveil a purpose and a calling in us that will make our lives externally match the internal void that we feel. And that's, that's what the purpose of walking through hard healing does, is it makes our internal life match the external in a way that we can't without him. Absolutely. I mean, we need to walk through it. Otherwise, the deep healing, I talk to people about um, in counseling and those that participate in groups in my book about snorkeling versus scuba diving. Now, when we're snorkeling, we're on the surface. And so we focus on surface things. We focus on people, circumstances, and situations. But God desires for us to go deep, to scuba dive, to go to the deep waters, to the deep places, so there can be a deep healing that comes to our life. And that's exactly what you're talking about, is you had to experience and walk through the healing, I had to walk through the healing as well. And it doesn't happen overnight. And I think what happens is stuff gets triggered and people shut down and say, I'm just going to put it back in that box. I talk about in our heart, we have a box 
and we lock it up and we bolt it and we put chains around it and we put it in a closet and we deadbolt the closet and then we put a board in front of that closet because we're afraid that some of those memories are going to come out. And the very one who is the one to walk us through our healing is who we have our walls up and that's to God. And Jesus is so is so caring in how he walks us through those memories. He doesn't just pop that box open and throw them all in our face at once. He takes us through them, but we have to go through it. There's a camp song, going on a lion hunt, gonna catch a big one. I'm not afraid. What's that up ahead? Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Gotta go through it. Yep. We gotta go through it. And you just bring up such great example of how God walked you through it, how he led you to the right counselor, he led you to the right people, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life to walk through it so that on the other side, you are fully restored. You are healed, not just a flesh wound healed, but the deep healing that has taken place in your life to where you victoriously can be at a bonfire with marshmallows with your kids. I just love that example so much. When I couldn't even talk about, I mean, I still remember the first time I had to write down on my intake forms that I was raped. It left me in the, in a fetal position on my kitchen floor bawling. It was so hard. I loved your example of snorkeling versus scuba diving, because that's such a beautiful example of what a spirit of fear will do in the midst of healing in the midst of that process. Fear is a liar and fear has a lot of buddies. It has anger and it has shame and it, and it uses these buddies to tell us all of these lies. You don't need to go scuba diving. Let's just say, you know, snorkeling. You're fine here. What's wrong here? If you go down there, you're risking more. Don't risk. Remember what happened to you last time? All of those lies. But when we allow the Lord to come in and replace that spirit of fear with the Holy Spirit, and we're able to discern his voice directly, he's the one that gives us the godly counsel. He's the one that gives us the witness of the wider body. And we need them to be properly aligned with biblical authority. Speaks about that in Hebrews 13, 7 through 8. And it's able, we're able to take the different things that we hear from him as he walks us through that process to properly hear him appropriately. The Lord is telling me this, go to your counselor, go to that person that's in alignment with the Lord and say, is this the spirit of fear talking in me? Or is this the Holy Spirit? We need those mentors who are able to take what we are hearing and walk us through the process of learning how to independently hear those things from him on our own with discernment. And that's such a pivotal piece. I really love that example, Kristen. It was perfect. Yeah, the snorkeling and what happens is in our life, when we're snorkeling, we focus on people. We focus on situations and circumstances in our life and we're victims. And God's desire is for us to live the fullness of who he created us to be, not as victims. So we got to do the scuba diving, get past people, get past circumstances, get past situations, get past triggers and conflict and different things that are going on in our life and get to the deep root of what it is. So I have absolutely loved this, Nikki. I think we could probably talk for about three hours on this topic and still not cover everything. So in the 
last few minutes that we have here, what words would you like to say to the listener? I'm thinking of the women who can relate to what we're talking about, can relate to having walls up in their life and maybe distancing themselves from Jesus and from others. And that's really about trust. I don't trust anybody. Can't trust anyone because people hurt you. But that goes to us trusting God. The woman that is saying, I've maybe never told anyone or I did and they turned on me. You know, I'm just thinking of that wounded woman who is trying to press through in life, but hasn't dealt with what is going on inside of them. What would be some words that you would speak to them right now in the last few minutes we have? You know, I I wish in the very beginning of my healing journey, I had someone come alongside me that had gone through this before and told me these three things. Number one, if I'm avoiding or I'm unable to talk about something, that's the first sign that I have some healing work to do. And God is willing to listen to me whenever I'm ready to talk. So God never pressures anyone to talk about something until they're ready. He will never force himself on you, right? God is a gentleman. So he will knock at your door, but he's not going to bust it down. God didn't abandon me for 20 years. God waited patiently for my heart to be ready to reach out to him and say, okay, I'm ready. And when I was willing to open the door, he was there. He never left my side. He gently waited for me to be ready. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit is the absolute best counselor I have ever, ever had. And I wish I knew how to communicate through him in the very beginning of my journey. It would have saved me so much time and energy. Now, I'm not negating that counseling is important because it is. We need good mentorship. We need godly counsel. We need a counselor. We need mentors. We need pastors to lovingly wrap their arms around us who are in alignment with the Lord to walk us through the beginning, middle, and end of these journeys in order to solidify what the Holy Spirit is saying. But there were moments in the middle of the night when I was crying out that only the Holy Spirit was able to be there for me and comfort me in a way that no other person could. And if I would have recognized and heard somebody tell me from the very beginning that he is my counselor and I can reach out to him whenever I need to, I think my healing process would have gone a little bit differently. It wouldn't have taken as long in the very beginning. And then the last thing is that healing is a journey and it requires time. It requires work. However, I believe the lie for the longest time that time is not the healer, but Jesus is. Time is not the healer. Jesus is. When we allow ourselves to begin to grieve and cry what was and what happened to us, we begin to walk the bridge between a life of pain and suffering to a life of fulfillment and freedom. So we utilize time in our healing process, but it is not the healer. It is Jesus. And when we when we allow him in to do the hard work, that's when we really begin healing and walking into the freedom that we have in him. Those are three powerful statements right there that God waited patiently for us to be ready and that the Holy Spirit is the best counselor and that 
Jesus is the healer, not time. Ladies, friends that are listening to us, I pray that you hear those words, that they would speak deeply to your souls right now and that they would minister life and truth to you. Nikki, thank you for your transparency, your openness of just laying it all out for us in the deep conversation. And I hope that you will come back again for us to have um, future conversations as well. It would be an honor. I'm so privileged. Thank you for just the opportunity to share my story. It means a lot, Kristen. Thank you for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I would love to stay connected with you as well. So be sure to find me on Instagram at author Kristen Klaus or on my Facebook page at author Kristen Klaus. I hope you enjoyed this episode today and that God infused some hope into you today. Remember friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with Jesus.